Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey team, welcome back to Hardcore Listing. This is part two of top five movie confrontations uh, before we go back to Chris and Robin uh, I thought I'd do my top five movie confrontations because I think they've left these humdingers off the list uh, so my first one is uh, Uncle Buck um, where Buck who's the, the smoking drinking mess engages in a battle of wits with some kids and then eventually is confronted by a child um, about his mindless ways but um, ultimately we find out that his intentions were good um, six dead and two seriously injured. Such a victim of circumstance, old buck. Um, number two, uh, Dunstan. Um, after he checks in and experiences some of those comical near misses um, and he's almost rumbled as an ape and not a, an official hotel guest, um, is confronted by a hotel concierge for doing something simian-like in a human hotel-based environment. <laughs> uh, one dead and three unaccounted for. Um, such a victim of circumstance, Dunstan was. Um, number three, Ernest goes to camp. Um, I don't know if you remember, but Ernest becomes the camp counsellor uh, to a load of second chances, um, but he, he ultimately is confronted by some nurse uh, for unintentionally being a, like a fish out of water and making a big mistake, um, and then he kind of stammers his way out of it. Um, two dead, one missing. Um, a real victim of circumstance. Old Ernest. Um, number four, Air Bud. Um, this, in this uh, film, Bud absolutely ruins a child's party that his alcoholic clown owner was performing at. Um, so the owner confronts him and makes him homeless for being such a prick. Seven hospitalised, one fatality. Such a victim of circumstance, that Bud. Um, finally, uh, Citizen Kane. Um, Someone dies, I can't, I can't remember who it was, um, but then this Rosebud character turns up, confronts Mark Thatcher for some reason, uh, punches him in the face and he escapes on a sled. Um, I think there was a scene about a snow globe, I'm not sure, but uh, I last saw this film in 1941 when it came out, so uh, my memory's hazy. Um, one dead, one broken nose, um, such a victim of circumstance that Kane was. Anyway. Shouts to the Distraction Pieces Network, Susie, um, Jason, Jim, Pip, Stu, Chris, me, Brett. Uh, let's get on with the second part, eh, shall we? Bye, everyone. It's a drunken soiree in the within.
Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. So my number two then. How are we doing? I'm just checking the batteries and, and all that other <laughs> professional stuff. Right, okay, yeah. Number two, right, this is violent. Um, it's the raid, and it's the final fight in the raid. So have you seen the raid? I have, yeah. Oh, to me, like, fuck me. Well, weirdly, because... I'm trying to think if we didn't come and see it together but the, where I saw it the, the cinema I saw it in London is where we went and watched Ghost in the Shell and um, I went to watch the raid with Pip I believe and we were desperate to see it and it's uh, an Indonesian uh, kung fu flick effectively mm-hmm. action flick that ended up making Dread flop at the cinema I think because it was basically based on a fight in a tower block yeah a bit like Dread was. I, I love Dread. I, I probably, Dread is a brilliant yeah, I, I really do. I mean, I, I felt like treated that that month I got to see both of those movies. Mm. I couldn't believe my luck. And But the fight... like So there's so many different martial arts movies that I could pick, right? Because I've been a massive fan of, uh, of them my whole life. And there's loads of confrontations from the sword fights that we were saying, like in Zatoichi. Um, the Bruce Lee movies, End of the Dragon, I think when he fights the guy... It's relatively near. It's about halfway through when he gets so he lands on the island and he fights the guy that he knows has killed um, his sister, and he yeah. fucking just wrecks him. So the final fight in the mirrors and that it's, it's amazing. Like he was setting a precedent there. But Jackie Chan in Mills on Wheels. I've said this before. Uh, Wheels on Mills is fucking amazing. The last fight scene in that is 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 kung fu royalty in my eyes. But they did it with Tony Jaa. When he did, um, I can't remember what he did, what um, what movies he did in like the late, very late 90s, turn of the uh, the millennium. Have you ever seen any of Tony Jaa's ones? I might have seen a couple. I know the, I know the actor, but yeah. I couldn't think Great of kickboxer, great Muay Thai kickboxer. Um, but then this one came along. It's directed by Gareth Edwards, and the fight scenes in that are absolutely brutal. And they build it up to the climaxes, the two good guys fighting just this one kind of small absolute psychopath (laughs) of a guy and it's just the bollocks man Mm. the choreography in it is just relentless and it goes and goes and goes and goes and as as they're fighting the music the tension in the music is building up and people are getting more and more injured and the end of it I won't say how they finish him but it's quite graphic and it's visceral But, like, me and Pip watching a cinema, predominantly, it was predominantly dudes who were a big fan of, you know, violent, violent movies. Mm. And, um, and, and at the end, everyone was clapping because it was just so well um, choreographed in terms of a, a, fit, like a, a fighting... Chore- uh, uh, they'd done The Raid 2, and the final fight in that is just incredible as well. Like, he's fighting a guy with these two curved knives, and that is one hell of a fight. It, it, it's probably better... But I think having watched the raid, it again for me pushed the envelope of what what it meant to be a martial arts movie and what they could do with choreography, and it just blew me away. It really was like for me to literally be all applauding at the end of a fight scene, like we how we was. Everyone was blown away. There wasn't anyone in that cinema who didn't feel that they had got their money's worth mm. out of that movie, having just watched those three guys kick the living piss out of each other. Spectacular, spectacular bit of choreography. Um, yeah, I need to rewatch it. Ten ten, similar, watch again. similar to you, I didn't watch 
didn't watch Raid or Dread in the cinema, but I saw them both round about the same time yeah. because, like you said, they were both very similar movies, so they were kind of getting recommendations and moving in the same circles. Yeah. I remember Dread better than The Raid because, I, for me, 2000 AD in that universe, Dread was one of those characters that I used to read comics about yeah. when I was a kid, so Dread kind of almost overrides that film yeah. in, in terms of how I remember it. Yeah. Now... Comparatively, I prefer Dread, mm. and I think that because they did it Dread 3D, didn't they? And yeah. basically, it was one of very few 3D movies that 100%. When we watch it in a cinema, and you see the 3D in it with the sh- slow mo, it has every reason to be it in 3D. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and 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 so they've they've created a, a legitimate reason why you should watch it in 3D, mm. and, and 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 made a plot point about it, and a simple simple plot point as well showing that you don't need to be all you know overly complicate it and it's bloody brilliant mm. and it's yeah that's slow-mo and, and 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 yeah the whole thing carl urban's amazing as dread refuses to take his helmet off in it you know like stallone who had to have his face pretty much throughout yeah, it yeah by the way high. the 90s dread film i liked it i was young that I, I didn't i didn't hate on the stallone version honestly a lot of people don't like it i get it i'm not I've, a fan but yeah. again i don't remember it that well when it doesn't 90s dread yeah. to modern dread to yeah. me yeah, yeah. is what kind of those Batman films with yes. George Clooney and yeah. who's oh, no with Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, yeah. That's the comparison yeah. is Batman with Val <laughs> Kilmer to Batman with Christian Bale. That's the difference between yeah. the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Because it was all like so they just had these really badly designed uniforms with big badges. And Stallone, even even though he's done some absolutely cracking films, I just don't think it was the right. Yeah, just wasn't the right choice for Dread. Just yeah. really wasn't. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fair dues. I, I mean, he was the right choice at the time, mm-hmm. but in in kind of hindsight, not the right yeah. choice. Yeah, no, I, I do get it. I really do. And then, but we were talking about Carl Urban. He's one of my favourite action a- a- actors. Um, he's been in loads of stuff. Even the Doom movie is in fucking Chronicles of Riddick, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's done some he's done some fantastic roles and. Uh, yeah, and but he's been in the boys recently, and whereas I love him as Dread, I'm not as big a fan as I was discussing with mm. you the other day. Him as Bill the Butcher in the boys, um, his his English accent ain't that great, and it's really hard for me to say that because I fucking so desperately wanted him to nail it. Because a proper it. bromance going yeah, on. Yeah, like, I really you. don't want to say that, and I'm not saying it's bad, mm. but I definitely. Like, I, I want to be walking away every time I watch the boys, every scene that Bill the Butcher's in, going, mm. "Oh, he's the fucking bollocks." And I just don't think that it's quite right for Carl. But obviously, he's a, he's a relatively big actor. He wanted to do it. That he's hard. They were hardly going to say no to him, basically. So there you have it. There's there's my number two, which is the raid. Um, yes. What's your number two, man? My number two is um, one of my favourite films of all time. Go for it. And it's between uh, Roy Batty and Decker. At oh, the end of, of Blade Runner. Yeah, amazing. So I was really tempted to go with, really tempted to choose the final scene, yeah. just because of, yeah, of course. even though it wasn't quite confrontational, that, that speech that Rutger Howard gives at yeah. the end was almost that bit where he picks Paul's Decker up. Yeah. You could almost have seen a confront, confrontation occurring, but yeah. I don't think that really fit the theme of what we're talking about. Yeah. So for me, it's winding back. 10 minutes before that and yeah. it's after Decker's walked into this really dark gothic house that's dilapidated yeah. it's falling down yeah. you know it's 
coming apart at the seams. Um, it's absolutely pouring with rain outside. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's just working his way through his house where these two, the two last replicants are hiding, yeah. hiding out. Again, spoilers. And if you haven't seen Blame Rodder, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Um, but so he and uh, two last replicants remain in Pris and Roy Batty, and he manages to kill Pris. Yeah. And then it's just the build up of that scene as Roy Batty yeah. finds her body. Yeah. And he kind of. He, you know, he's he's absolutely torn apart. He's in bits. He dips his fingers in into the wound on her stomach yeah, and gets the blood right. and puts that's it in it, his face, yeah. and then just gives out this howl. Yeah. And then you've just got this moment where it's framed from Decker's point of view down the corridor uh, as he's holding his gun out, and you just see Roy Batty just kind of dance across the corridor that's really right. quickly. Yeah, yeah. And it's just as that confrontation moves from there, yeah, and yeah. I've got some of the lines because he's absolutely brilliant. So as as he runs across the corridor in the background, Decker fires at him, and he's like, "Not very sporting to fire on an unarmed opponent." <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were good. Aren't you the good man? <laughs> Come on, Decker, show me what you're made of. And he gets like really. I wish I could do it well enough, but he does. He gets really kind of. It's almost creepy, and it's yeah. it's fantastic how this um, sci-fi film that is very much grounded in sci-fi in its last moments, turns almost into a kind of horror film. Yeah. The way Roy Batty is portrayed at the end, yeah. it, and, it, and it spins a dynamic on its head. The film starts off with Decker, and he's pulled out of retirement, and he's hunting down these, I think it's five Nexus, five models, oh, six, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. So he's hunting down these androids, or replicants called Nexus models, and um, he's very much shown to be the kind of powerful... He's in the powerful role there. He's yeah. the policeman. He's got the authority yeah. to take these characters down. Yeah. You know, they're, they're shunned by society. Yeah. And there is a, actually a fantastic scene earlier on where he almost gets his comeuppance. Um, but, you know, he's got the guns. He's the person. You're, you're backing him as a hero. Yeah. He's, he's taking these guys out. And the, the last confrontation just spins it on its head. And it's all about Roy Batty. Yeah. And Decker is just... He's absolutely terrified. He's yeah. running around this creepy house on the top. <laughs> I think he's on the very top level of this yeah. old dilapidated building. There's no lights. And you can just tell that he's terrified. Yeah. That the way Roy Batty started speaking to him, he know, Deccan knows that he's kind of caused an affront to yeah. this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Roy Batty just starts chasing him down. And it's the way the scene plays out is almost like a cat playing with a mouse. Yeah. That is how it is. Yeah. It's just Roy Batty chasing him around, poking his head through holes in the walls, <laughs> punching. At one point, he kind of punches through a wall where Decker's got his arm and pulls his arm through, yes. takes the gun off him, breaks his finger, and then gives him the gun back. He goes, here you go. Fire at me now. If you want to use a gun, see yeah. if you can get me with a broken finger. Yeah. And it's just, it's brilliant. The whole thing is brilliant. And when he finally, when Decker finally kind of pops his head out onto the, onto the roof, and it's absolutely pouring with rain. It's it's like per, it's perfect cyberpunk imagery. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah, like yeah. it's it suits that scene that they've set so well. Completely, man. I mean, that's set the standard for it, hasn't yeah. it? Really. Um, it's a fantastic scene. I, I do love Braydana. Um I think that, like they said, with the rain, like Ridley Scott, he did that because they didn't have as much money, so mm. they used the rain to and make it works. the sets. Yeah, definitely. I, pissing rain is mm. never a bad thing, really, in a movie. Probably is for filming, mm. but for, for actually the atmosphere that it creates, yeah. It, yeah, that's bloody brilliant. 
What did you think of the uh, Blade, Blade Runner 20? I love the new film. I mean, yeah. I've seen the original Blade Runner. I've got, like, here, I've got it on Blu-ray. I've got all of the different versions of it. I've watched it so many times. Um, the new one I watched twice in the cinema, I think. And I really enjoyed it, but it's yeah. just... Because my because I've got all of the baggage tied with the yeah. first film, I'm always going to remember it that much more. But yeah. I love the new film. I Did we watch it together? I think I watched it twice. I think yeah. I went to the cinema on my own and watched it, yeah. and then went to the I cinema see, with you. And I think it. I watched it with you in the cinema, yeah. and I watched it again at the cinema yeah. too. And I just was fucking blown I, away that, by that it. That was brilliant. Film. I thought they Absolutely nailed brilliant. it, and I think that how they pushed. Like, from what they did in the first movie, like, can you be in love with an android, which yeah, is one of the things... Yeah, and push it into a new direction. And then they pushed it, like, can an android be in love with a fucking hologram, yeah. basically? Like, but what like, I love about AI. that is it's got those... The new film has got... Um, I think I remember saying to you at the time, it's got specific kind of Black Mirror vibes to yeah, it, almost. Definitely. You know, like you were saying, like, Ryan, Ryan Gosling's character, who you don't necessarily realise is... Yeah. a replicant yeah. at the start yeah. it's not it's definitely yeah. not given out I think yeah. they do kind of break it to you yeah, deliberately yeah. at some yeah, point yeah, in the film yeah. um, but yeah he's building up that he you know he comes home from work and it's this kind of holographic Im image of, yeah. a, of, a, of a woman um, who he loves to bits clearly mm. um, and you can almost imagine that, that there being a reality to that like the technology that we have is yeah. almost there. The AI that we have yeah. is getting so yeah, advanced, yeah. and the way it kind of questions that relationship to go well, do, you know, does it need to be a human? You know, what is love about? Does, yeah. it, does it need to Definitely. be with another person? If you can emulate enough of those aspects of a person, yeah. is that enough? It's yeah. really interesting. I was reading a, a a story about a guy in Japan who married um, one of these anime characters. Right, and it's, and it's almost that it's. It's kind of it seems daft and parody now, but it's almost an extension mm -hmm. of that. And that guy has a little holographic display of this anime character in his room. That's his. That's his thing. Wife. That's how he kind of wife. says hello to her in the morning, and he's married her. But I can. The technology is going in that direction where you think, you know, can we get to a point where there's not even, even we're if creating people. There isn't that, a difference. There no, isn't a measurable yeah, difference. No. Yeah, definitely. And like I think because there's a scene in that where he walks past the advert of her. Yeah. And and obviously she he's basically saying I, I you know, I will love you and it's like so even he possibly also knows that she doesn't. Mm. And that it really is just that well designed that even the AI probably thinks it does, but mm. it's it's artificial, it's not real. It's very much been designed for that purpose, but you can't help but feel it feels very real how they feel it. The, the love between them feels so real. But so then, again, therefore, if, what is the difference? If the technology is that advanced, mm. you know, if you if you're a company and you're advertising that version of, say, for example, it was a, a real life version of Siri. If if you're Apple and you're advertising a hologram version of Siri, mm -hmm. what you're trying to sell to people in adverts is a generic template yeah. version of that. Siri, yeah, be yeah. it male or female or whatever. Yeah. So that's what you would see featured in the advert. But what, how you would then treat that when you then spend a lot of time with that entity at, yeah. at home, yeah. that could change. And yeah. with, the, with the kind of artificial intelligence we have, that being could change. It doesn't necessarily have to be the one that you're seeing yeah. in the advert yeah. as it's portrayed. Yeah. So when, he, you know, when he's walking out there, yeah. he's, she's saying, I love you, but he's just seeing that as... 
right. the person that he has yeah. at home saying, Gesha. I love you. It's, yeah. it's almost the same. Yeah, effect. very good. Yeah. You know, you in his head, like it's that. the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not necessarily yeah. been deceived or mm. he's kind of being willingly deceived. Yeah. Like he's happy with the deception. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. knows that she's at home and yeah. that this is a yeah. different version yeah. of her that's yeah. reaching for Which also he knows because he is potentially that himself. Yeah. So, yes, I thought, fucking hell, mind-boggling. Really good, mate. I loved it. Really did. I love I love Gosling. Got a hard on for Gosling. And, Absolutely. And uh, Drive and, is one of my favourite oh, films yeah, of all so time, good. definitely. So fucking good. The, talking of face-offs, him and David Batista is one of the other replicants mm. at the start of that movie. That's a fucking great standoff. that yeah. is. That is brilliant. And it has a little bubbling of what Batista's cooking in the background again. A little bit like Oranishi when she's fighting yeah. and there's the water going. There's that, like, that tranquil sort of vibe going on in that room. Mm. That, that betrays actually the, what human beings are doing in that room. Yeah. Do, you see what, do you know what I mean? It's really good. So, should I do my number one? Go for it. Oh, do you know what? I always say there's... there's, there's, there's a, that like Aliens as a film transcends all my <laughs> movies. It's always... I could pretty much always do, in any filmic thing, pick Aliens as the number one choice, and that's yeah. why I tend to rule it out. Mm. Like Crazy Legs, the breakdancer was eventually banned from all competitions because he was just too good. Mm. I think Aliens is my crazy <laughs> legs, where I would easily say best confrontation for me, again, is always the scene at the end where it's Ripley versus the Queen Alien. And like she levels the play playing field with the power loader and um, it's just an epic climax to my favourite, you know, one of my favourite films of all time. I'm not going to go for that one. I'm going to go for one that... Uh, oh, me you're and not going for no, it. but because you down for because that. well because it is, but it's above number one. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. I've said it. So, I've talked about it so much. I can't pick it as number mm. one. I have to rule it out. That is obviously the best thing seen in all time, and uh, and uh, everyone's wrong. If you disagree, you're definitely wrong. And I I'm, disagree I'm, with you. I'm really up for having <laughs> that conversation. Um, but I picked one that even me and Whiffin have always loved, and, and, and we've spoke about it so many times on, on the podcast too. But the Dead Man Shoot scene with Paddy Considine and Gary Stretch. Have you seen this movie? Have you seen Dead Man Shoes? No, I haven't. Oh my god, we might have to watch it. Because it's been so long since I've seen it that I'm really up for watching it. It is the bollocks. We could potentially watch it later. It's so good, mate. It's so good. And it is a scene with Paddy Considine. He's basically, you don't know completely what's going on at the moment. He's doing, Paddy Constantine seems like a guy out of towner who's come back home to see his brother and he's very, very annoyed at some individuals. And that's all you know. And he's gone in someone's house while they're sleeping, the local drug lord's house, and been in his house while he's asleep. And the local drug lord knows that he's done this, but doesn't know why. Hmm. And when I say local drug lord, it's like, it's in a small town. It's in a small town. They drive around in a fucking clapped-out old Citroen. The, 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 all the all the bad guys, and they see Considine walking down the road, and they fucking screech to break. And then the boss, who's Gary Stretch, a handsome as fuck bloke, who was an ex-boxer in re real life, is acting in this scene, and he's like, "Hold on, lads, I'm going to have a word with him." And all these boys, all these cronies, are like, "Yeah, fucking, you see what happens here." And he gets out and he goes and has a chat with Paddy Constantine who's just standing there and just tells his little brother to walk down walk down the road mm. so he can have this chat with him. And the conversation is about, you know, the boys have got this crazy idea that you was, and then Paddy Constantine's like, no, no, yeah, I was, that was <laughs> me. And then Gary Stretch is like, yeah, I thought so. Um, you know, what are you playing at, mate? And Paddy Constantine says, that's none of your concern, even though basically he was in his house. 
and then the guy's like, uh, yeah, you, you, you're going to get fucking hurt. And Considine's just like, yeah, good. You, you want to come at me and you want to do something because I'm coming for you. And then Constantine just holds out his hand. Not to make... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's fucking five blokes in this mm. car, and he just points his hand, he's like, I've got you right fucking here. <laughs> And just the threat that cancelling makes, he says, it's beyond, he says, my, my rage for you is, is because Gary Shet says, are you threatening me? He's like, it's beyond words, mate. And just how Constantine is in it, and the tension between the both, and nothing kicks off, is fucking amazing, mate. And we're going to have to watch it. Because it's such a good movie. Shane Meadows film. It's fucking the bollocks. Um, it's just one of those ones where it's just, it's just that, like when you say confrontations, it mm. wasn't, I couldn't, it wasn't difficult to pick that because nothing. There's no action in it. It's just in the exchange of words. And unlike, to say, like the num- like number fives and that, where sometimes people weren't expecting it, these are two people definitely had something to say to each other. Was this when I told you the the kind of subject to the top yeah. line? Did this jump into yeah, your head? Was this one of the ones that jumped? Yeah, into unquestionably first? knew it was going to be. Whereas, like No Country for Old Men, that mm. was one that was triggered from a Google search. I was like, how'd I miss that? Mm. Um, as I say, there's hundreds more. We've got like plenty. I'm sure we'll shout out special mention. Absolutely. This one came in because it is just that confrontation. The tension between the two is palpable. There's only two people involved. It's one camera, hmm. two actors in a street. There's, it's completely pedestrian the environment, and yet it is so menacing between the pair of them. One guy who you don't know what he's uh, what what he's up to. Paddy Considine. You don't really know what what, what he wants. And but you know he's obviously quite angry, and then obviously a car full of blokes. So you should think Considine is the one who feels threatened in that situation because mm. who wouldn't? Yeah, Gary Shetch is the bigger guy. Bless you. <coughs> but you feel that Considine really is confident that it's Gary Stretch who's on the back foot, mm. and he's the one who should get in his car and fuck off. <laughs> And it is amazing. And I've seen people behave like that in real life who are that confident and, uh, and threatening. 
I think it's a sense of presence. Yeah. It's not just it's. I you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. It is. It there is definitely a confidence that comes across from those kind of people, but they have a. It's almost like an aura to them. Yeah. They have a sense of presence that puts that puts other people on guard and makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I think a lot of these ones have come out where there's nut jobs involved, and yeah. I think it's because once you, re- you re- remove the uh, the self the, the, the self preservation thing that most of us have, mm. that is when you go, well, I'm not willing to put it all on the line. Yeah. This person is, mm. and then therefore, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Mm. And I and I think that in life that's what it's about. It's just when you ultimately have two people who might call each other's bluffs on it, or and I think it kind of confuses people as well. I think people are 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 stumped. Mm. Like there's almost a bit of processing that goes on in in someone's head when they're in this about like why wouldn't you be threatened? I've got five guys behind me in the car. Why wouldn't you be threatened by me? And the fact that someone goes no, you can. I'm not. I'm not moving an inch, and I don't care what fucking happens. Yeah. I can imagine that kind of disarming someone because yeah. they're almost confused by the situation. Yeah, definitely. So that's my number one, mate. And uh, yeah, I'm sure she will be pleased with that one. <laughs> so, da, 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 da. what's your number one, my dear? So my number one is from the film A Fistful of Dollars. Oh wow! Good and show. And it is just to me, it's. There's a lot of different scenes from different Western films that, yeah. that, that could have gone in here. Yeah, of course. Um, Unforgiven nearly yeah. made it. Oh, wow, yeah. That's, that's very much an honourable mention. It yeah. nearly made it in there. Um, but again, it's Clint Eastwood in both roles, in Unforgiven and in this. Three Tens of Yuma, there's some great standoffs in that. High Plains Drifter is my favourite, that's Clint Eastwood. Mm. Yeah, go on, mate. He's, he's just, he's brilliant. Yeah. He's, he's a great actor. But yeah. this, is, this is even less about... This is actually less about the actors themselves, and it's more to do with how that se- how the scene is shot and how it plays out. So it's right at the end of the film, and it's the standoff between yeah. um, between Clint Eastwood and I can't remember what the what the group of the other guys are called. Um, I'll look it up. Yeah, you'll have to look it up because I can't even remember what the other character's name is. Um, it, but it's just this scene from the film that always sticks out so well in my head, partly because of the music. Again, yeah. it's, it gave me one of those earworms for um oh sorry I got an alarm going off for one of uh, Morricone's tracks. Yeah. So the scene set up is um, empty town. The the kind of bad guys have cleared this yeah. town out. They've got I can't remember if the guy's the mayor. The Rojo brothers is the that's uh, is it. The bad guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they've cleared out the town. It's only the the kind of uh, he's definitely not a sheriff, but he's like a mayor. He's got his wrists. He's hung up on this kind yeah. of strut that's hanging yeah. out the side of one yeah. of the buildings and um, the lead bad guy kind of sticks a cigarette in his mouth and they're basically roughing him up you yeah. know yeah. To, let, let the, this guy is he's clear the, the guy that they've got hanging by his wrist is clearly tired and, and exhausted and has, and has already had a kind of night's worth of being roughed up by yeah. this guy yeah, yeah, yeah. so he, he's exhausted he can barely keep his eyes open and bad guy sticks a cigarette in his mouth and then kind of turns it around and puts into the smoking end is on his tongue so that he has to spit it out and then he's got this um one of his henchmen chucks him a gun which um he then kind of hits the gut hits the guy with and then decides that almost decides that he didn't want to do it because the rifle is too good a weapon (laughs) to be worth hitting this 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 person that 
that's hanging from these rafters on. And then there's this explosion in the distance. Oh, sorry. One of the henchmen is about to draw a whip out. Yeah. So he's about to start whipping this yeah, guy. Yeah, lashing him. And start lashing him. And just as he's about to swing, there's an explosion in the background. And so the camera just kind of moves to show one end of this town and it's just smoke that's kind of blow, billowing across from, yeah. this, from this explosion. And then this music starts to play and it is just but one of the best Western tracks, if not the best kind of musical accompaniment yeah. to a scene wow. in a Western that has ever played. And it just starts creeping in with, I think it's a trumpet that they play. And it's, it very much sets, there's almost a trope of kind of trumpet music appearing yeah. or is it percussion instruments that they call them? Where you've got like trumpets and horns and things no, like that. Brass. Brass. Brass, yeah, yeah. brass instruments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it almost sets up this trope of brass instruments yeah. appearing in music for Western films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that came yeah. from Morricone, I don't well, know if that came from somewhere else, yeah, but it's yeah. very much a trope. And yeah. if you want to if you want to create a shootout in a film mm. and replicate that vibe. They play music yeah. that very much picks up on that trope. Yeah. So this music starts playing in the background, and through this billowing smoke, you just see this silhouette of Clint Eastwood <laughs> standing in the background. And um, it's so the, cool. the scene then kind of keeps cutting between Clint Eastwood stood in this billowing smoke and, and the guys, the, the kind of the brothers, that stood on the, on the opposite end of this town square. And it's the way... Again, there's no confrontation, and there's barely any words. And yeah. it's just the way that... Um, is it... Ser what, who's Sergio? Sergio... Um, um, oh, uh, Sergio Leone. Google search, quick. Sergio, <laughs> Sergio Leone. Leone. It's his ability to kind of direct that. Yeah. That, that just makes the whole scene hang together. So yeah. all that happens is, as this music's playing... Clint Eastwood's character just walks towards these guys. Yeah. And the, all of the menace comes from the music and the way it's yeah. wow. And what's fantastic is there's this absolutely fantastic bit where Clint Eastwood's character kind of walks towards the camera, but they put the camera low to the ground. Right. So he gets so close to the camera that all you can see are his feet. Yeah. And then the camera switches to the bad guys and they kind of walk away of from the camera yeah, with yeah. just their feet until yeah. they're yeah, all yeah. kind of yeah. stood in the frame. And it's all done to a to a fantastic soundtrack and then the way that the scene actually plays out when it does come to the confrontation where he's got that bit that they stole for back for for back to the future for the third film oh, which yeah. is he's basically got a metal plate yeah, yeah. kind of hung under his shirt that of course none of them all of them are keep are completely oblivious to and he keeps repeating this clint eastwood's character keeps repeating this character this line about you know, if you want to kill a man, you've got to aim for the heart. And he keeps saying <laughs> it to him, you've got to aim for the heart. So this guy's just got this gun and he's just shooting away and he can't understand <laughs> why Clint Eastwood's character isn't going down. And then when he's out of bullets, Clint Eastwood just stands with like his legs at this really kind of, it's really weird. He stands with his legs at this really kooky angle, yeah. like his feet almost point slightly inwards. Yeah. But just completely casual. Yeah. Like, cigarette hanging out the side of the mouth and then just undoes the strap and lets this thing fall to the floor and then just blows them all away. And it's just, <laughs> but that, for me, that's the end of a good scene, but that isn't yeah. the best bit about the scene. The best bit is all in that build-up. Yeah. It's in the music, it's in yeah. the way it's filmed, yeah. and it's just in the kind of, 
you know, Clint Eastwood's character has been done over by this by this group of um, thugs earlier on in the film. So yeah. you should uh, conventionally you should think that you know he's in trouble. But yeah, again, it's how the itself. film represents his menace that they've all got a good reason to be scared of this guy. It's so good. I, I love the fact that you pick one where it's the anticipation of the, of, of the action, yeah, and of the resolution. Yeah. And it's cathartic. And when you hear those trumpets coming in, it's like, yeah, that's like the light motive. That's the, the resolution is coming. It's time for, time for people to get their just, just rewards. That's fucking wicked, man. It's made me excited. To, it's one of those... It's what, what kind of tickled me about picking scenes mm-hmm. from, from the films is... Good confrontations, like the rest of the film, I haven't watched Fistful of Dollars mm. in bloody ages, even though I really enjoy it yeah. as a film. A lot of, like Blade Runner, I haven't watched for, for a few years yeah. now, even though there were periods where I was watching it year on year Regular, on year. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of the film that's, that's in an almost fuzzy haze for me, yeah. but that one particular scene just Stick sticks out. out. It's the minute I thought that it was... When, when I was thinking of the confrontations, the first one to pop into my head was actually Al Pacino and Robert De Niro from yeah. Heat. But that came quickly after, and it's everything about it that I love. It's just a perfect piece of cinematography for me. I've only ever seen that on a lazy like Saturday or Sunday as mm. a kid. and I, you know, So I haven't revisited Fistful of Dollars, and I think I really need to now. I definitely uh, need to yeah. go back and, and watch it and yeah. give it a good watch. Well, maybe we'll watch a couple tonight. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Robin, amazing. Uh, I really enjoyed that. We've, we've, really chat, enjoyed we've had a good too. chat there, Jesus. We've been going for, that's an hour and a half. Bloody hell. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, well, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. No problem. Um, you know, and I hope we'll have you back at some point. Maybe even record a bonus <laughs> episode if we've got time. But Jesus, this is an hour and a half. But yeah. hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, let us know what your favourite scenes are, um, because we know there are literally hundreds out there. So I'd really be interested to see what ones, you know, people people really felt the sort so of like the tense yeah. nature. Um yeah, so Robin, thanks very much. I didn't mention, obviously you've been right you've been writing a little <laughs> comic yourself. Um and maybe when we do the sci fi thing we'll we'll cover that in a little yeah, bit a little more bit detail. More. But yeah, that that impresses me what you've been doing mm. in terms of that and hopefully we'll discuss that in more detail. Git <laughs> <laughs> Catch you soon. Oh yeah, sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a lot of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition. There's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social 
medias as well. Potbiblemag.com. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.